It's the moment you've all been waiting for. Scott's book, the title, has now just come out. The title is Golf Decoded, Unraveling the Game's Greatest Secrets. If you guys want to get a head start on this book, go ahead and hop on over to his Instagram at shassigolf, two S's and two E's, and go ahead and pre-order the book on GoFundMe. It's $14.99, and it'll be the best $14.99 you guys have ever spent. It comes with a lot of free extras, uh, a lot of content throughout the book that you guys will be able to scan a QR in the book and go ahead and uh, check out the videos that are linked to those QR codes. So it's more than just a book, it's a golf cheat code. So hop on over, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Peace. There's no rules! Shoot a lower score! There's one rule! And we're back on the back porch with Franklin Bridge. Are we clapping? Are we clapping? Why are we clapping? Don't you have that running? Oh, you go. oh you're right, you're right. <laughs> that was terrible. There you go. So the cool thing about the clap... It doesn't matter whenever I do it. Oh. It just has to match. Nice. <laughs> I see but, what you're saying. Okay, so I want to answer this real quick. For those of you who have heard the clap in previous episodes or don't know why it just clapped, it's because we have the, the phone going, which is recording our video, and then I have the microphone, which is recording our audio, but somehow I got to match it up, and that's how I do it. You just match up the audio to the, the clap and the clap, that's so the when I, you see thing. me do it. And when the clap happens on the audio, bam, the more you know. That's awesome. Okay, I'm, I'm finished nerding out. <laughs> well, so um, if you're tuning into this episode and you haven't listened to the previous two, this is going to be the first time I'm going to tell you to do this. Stop listening right now. Right go, now. Go, like, literally, if you're still listening to me, stop. Well, don't stop because I got to tell, yeah. tell you why. Go back to the previous two episodes where we had Michael Starbird author of the five elements of effective thinking because what i'm about to share piggybacks on him asking questions and making statements and observations as a non-golfer right which as we mentioned i learn a lot from we all learn from so people you, like that. you could try and listen to this one without listening to the other two but it'll it'll benefit you immensely to stop and go listen to at least episode one of those yeah, uh, with michael starbird with michael starbird yeah yeah, yeah. so um, go back you'll, you'll do that but okay so right away we, Scott and I have had this, I guess we, we kind of coined it on this podcast. It's getting to the point where we've coined a bunch of things on this podcast, by the way. <laughs> but yeah. we had this, uh, this one episode called Get Off the Range. Yep. And where we basically kind of told you guys to get off the range and go play golf because you learn, you learn your swing and you learn how to play more when you're on the course. And we, I brought up an episode or uh, um, an example two episodes ago about um, I was over playing at Harpeth Hills with one of my buddies and he was stuck behind a tree and he's like, dude, how do you even get out from this? And I'm like, watch this. And I take this, uh, this five iron and I just, I choked down on it, stood a little closer to it and threw this cut right around the tree and the green complex slopes from left to right uh, and just kind of funneled it right down there next to the hole and he's like dude how'd you do that and he i'm like i don't know i just kind of like i just know how to do it and he's like that seems like something that you can only learn on the golf course and i'm like bingo i know and if you're hearing jack tell this story it means you're you're an active listener and we thank you for hearing that story again yeah you're right sorry but But no but it's good it's a it's a great starting point for what we're talking about because there are um other cultures spend a lot of time driving range and the American culture has headed that way heavily 
yeah. uh, in recent years with the advents of uh, absolutely incredible technologies that uh, used appropriately can really accelerate AKA your track learning. Man. Yeah, TrackMan was kind of one of the first big ones. And then you had video was before TrackMan. Then you had TrackMan. Then you had stat tracking um, apps and software, programs and yeah. software. Uh, and then you had... Um, then you had virtual golf through simulators. Then Top and, Golf came along. Yeah, and before Top Golf, you had um, <clears throat> you had things like 3D motion capture. You had something called KVest, which was kind of the first attempt at measuring things in three dimensions. Anyway, there's been a lot uh, of things. Yeah, to it, like that is right. not a good substitution for the real deal. Correct. Like you have to change something and all those are just tools. And none of those things can detect if there's a tree in front of you or if you have to get a certain trajectory to get to a certain hole placement. Like there's nothing, there's nothing out there yet that is able to detect those things, which would be interesting as we move into this world of like VR and AR kind of thing. If there's going to be a technology that can maybe simulate those things. I don't know. Uh, But to kind of Michael's point of like, we're learning this relationship with technology is if we remove the ability for us to critically think and problem solve, we're in trouble. Yep. Um, and when you take, um, technology like that and you remove, you let somebody who doesn't have the right, uh, frame of learning, you don't have the right way to ask the right questions when you're looking at that technology, you're bound to get lost in the weeds because the tech is so heavy. And there's so much mathemat like from a mathematical thinking standpoint, there's so many layers to that that you better know how to put all the pieces together. I've got a question. Or how to ask the right questions. A yeah, question go ahead. for you is do you think that like this technology has been measured mostly to measure straight shots? Or uh, it's they're using it more for well, curved shots, but yeah. Well, uh, yeah. A let stock me fini- shot. Let me finish this here. So, like, if for example, do you think that you can gain more information on trouble shots by hitting on one of these simulators? Like, do you think that we can better our trouble game by getting on these simulators, but just coming at it from a different point of reference? It could. The answer could be no. I'm just asking you. Uh, I mean. You could maybe say yes, but I'm still going to go on the brain's ability to do a billion, billion calculations a second. Right. Um, which is far more powerful. Like, I gave a playing lesson today with a guy, and we were in two different scenarios in particular. I was like, yeah, with your swing profile, this ball's going to jump um, five yards right uh, if you set up that way. If you set up this way, it's going to go a little more to the left. I also, and, like, played today where it's like, I hit a flop shot, and it's like when I'm hitting that flop shot, I'm not thinking about what does my attack angle have to be or my like the launch angle of the ball. Like I don't know, it's right, just kind of right. like what we've always preached is the feel. Yeah, and he's he's like, how do you know that? I was like, I don't know. I I just I just know. Like, yeah, I've learned that through watching dozens and or you know thousands and thousands of golf swings and playing myself. And there's certain shots you learn how to hit, um, and people try and teach you how to hit them, but. Just because the way I hit a shot out of a divot doesn't mean that's the way that Jack needs to learn how to hit a shot out of the divot. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's there's nuances in there that you can only learn on the golf course by feel. And if you can learn some core principles, uh, you can navigate those things um, much more effectively. So, uh, But with that, like, there's so many golf swings that I watch. I'm sitting here going, 
y'all should be shooting like 65s and 67s or breaking 80. Um, I like I've even have some students um, in my cracking the code program that have handicaps that are over 40. I was like, if I just gave you four clubs, you'd your handicap would drop five points. Like just some very basic stuff uh, that people just don't understand. And so part of what I do is trying to get people to understand how to think. But if they are dead set on trying to make the technique perfect, it's hard to get them out of that. Well, and it's what Professor uh, Starbird said too on the last uh, podcast. We were talking about having a relationship with information rather than just having to digest it. Um, I, I talked about how some professors in college teach the same same slides year after year after year semester after semester and like nothing ever changes and that's got to get boring after some after some amount of time but I noticed that some of my best professors in college were the ones who were like let's figure this out like here's an example let's try and figure this out together and it was just like it was an environment that you felt comfortable failing in and it was an environment where you learned how to have a relationship with information and so the parallel to golf is the range is like that teacher who's teaching the same thing semester after semester, year after year in some ways, where if you're on the course, you're going to get put in situations where it's not like the range. There's not a, a, a blue candy cane 20 yards to the left, 90 yards out every time. Yeah, what which... And you're never standing in the same lie twice. Right. Except for off the tee, if you hit one out of bounds, you got to do it again. <laughs> you might stand in the exact same place. And the only difference on the range is, like, maybe you get in the far left bay and you're closer mm -hmm. to some of the poles rather than if you're yeah. on the far, what I say, left, so far right bay and you're yeah. like completely different. It's like, mm -hmm. no, it's not, not really the same. Yeah. No, well, and um, – I had something happen today in a playing lesson that reminds me of a playing lesson I did with John a couple weeks ago. And they're in a scenario that on the surface seems very aggressive and like the wrong decision to make. And can you, so, can you uh, like describe the situation? Yeah, so there's two different ones. So I'm going to use John's first. So John's, we were on hole 15 out here. Um, and his ball, he just pushed it a little bit off the tee, went through the fairway on that little dog leg left and got down next to a tree where initial glance you go like, well, my only shot's to kick it out in the fairway and then play it up. Right. And I was like, wait a second. John, let's look at this from a different standpoint. The lie was actually really good. So it's kind of rare. Like when you get under a tree, like the root structure starts to interfere with the ball, but like we we're in a, we had a really good lie. Um, and instead of kicking it out, taking your medicine if you will like that's if you teach people to just take your medicine then they don't they, they're trying to memorize the answers to the test now taking your medicine is sometimes the it's, best yeah, option absolutely but, but sometimes it's not exactly and so in this case with john it wasn't um and so i was like wait a second let's think about this here if we set the club face a little bit open we're going to let the path move we're going to change your setup a little bit so that it'll miss he could make a significant size backswing almost a full backswing um, if we changed his orientation, which would start it to the left and fade it, because there's another tree in front of us. So he couldn't just, he had to go around the tree in front of him. Couldn't go under it, couldn't go over it. Um, and so we're like, well, let's do that. And so we had to add yardage to it because we're going to do a significant curve. Um, and so you, you have to... And open face. Yep. And so you, ha you, have to, you have to add in those components and 
hits it up there on the green. Like, whereas now it's an easy two-putt for par. Has a chance at birdie. Before he had almost no chance at birdie. He had to hole it from the fairway on the alternative. Um, and you literally cost yourself a shot. You're choosing to lose a shot. And that wasn't a scenario in which you should do that. Now, if he had his ball had been in a worse lie, then that option's gone. But the so every scenario is so unique, and people just want to like, well, I just need to hit more fairways. Well, Bryson and um, uh, not Hovland, um, Matthew Wolf at the PGA Championship in the third round combined only hit three fairways, and they should both shot under par. So you, yeah. Yeah, so, so, right, so this is where I actually take away the terminology play safe. So Mirko's question uh, was, uh, essentially, do you do that all the time, or is it you change you change your risk depending on where you are in the tournament? And the answer to that is yes, and it depends. Because <laughs> um, it, it really does. So, like, if we actually look at the shot that John had, there was very little risk at all to the shot I asked him to choose. It seems risky from the at the initial glance at it. But as you pull the layers back, it's actually actually it's way riskier for him to chip it out and make a bogey. Like and have to force himself to make a great wedge shot and then make a putt. Because when you're from sixty yards, even for tour players, proximity to the hole on average is going to be over ten feet. And so, well, if he hits it on the green inside of fifty feet well, his chances proximity to the hole on average is going to be well less than 10 feet. And so it's actually where he was. It was actually a fairly easy shot. We just had to select the right club in order to make that work. And it worked beautifully. Um, and then today had a very similar scenario on 17 out here with a player. Um, hits it kind of far, but not super long hitter. And we're on an upslope with a fairway wood on the par five. Wins at our back pins in the middle of the green and I'm looking at that lie and now I process information a lot faster than this gentleman does like he's he's learning to get really good and I said I think you should go for the green he's like what from that lie I said absolutely what are you talking about like you got 80 yards left or right to hit it into you got plenty of room it's only 200 yards to carry the water I don't know what you were you got wind at your back you got an upslope shoot you got a ramp you might as well tee it up and hit it from there. Like Now, there was a little grass behind the ball, so it wasn't like a perfect lie, but it was good enough. And so I said, we've just got to make one little adjustment to your setup, and you're set. Left side of the fairway? Right side, on the humps. Oh. On the hump, up this way, ball. Like If you actually set it up the way the mound was rounded, like his feet were on one slope and the ball was on another, and that's why he was like, hit it off of that one. I was like, absolutely, it's not that hard. You can hit that shot. And so on the... At the at the surface, it looks like a risky shot. It's 250 yards to the flag, 200 to carry the water. No problem. Ball never leaves the flag stick. Just He hit it so good, he surprised himself. He's like, wow, and hit it, just rolled over the back of the green, chipped it up to two feet, made birdie. I was like, and you were going to punch it out there to 150 yards, leaving yourself at best on average, you're looking at 25 to I mean, tour players from that distance are going to be 25 to 28 feet and very little chance at making birdie. 
and an increased chance at making bogey. Well, couldn't I have hit it in the... I was like, you weren't going to hit it over there. Are you kidding me? As long as you know how to set up to hit this shot, that's where you got to get off the range. Like People look at that and they go, well, I hit it over here. Well, yeah, you hit it over there. You can hit a different shot from here. Like All those amazing shots that you see tour players hit on TV and like, oh my gosh, that's so fascinating. Those are preceded by a bad shot. Seriously. Like, that amazing putt that they made that broke three ways down to the hole. You think he was trying to hit it there? No. That's, like, that's what makes those moments so amazing. But you can't learn those unless you go and play and try and screw it up and screw it up some more and have a little success and screw up some more. Like, you can't do that without that. This is also a great time in the year to reevaluate the game. Now that the weather is getting colder and the ball isn't traveling as far... A lot of people who play at the same course day after day, week after week, are going to be coming up short to a so many pins, so and many they, landing zones, so many everything, and they're not going to know why. They're like, "Well, this club usually goes 184," and it's like, "No, it's it, it doesn't." Like today, I've it was, already had that happen in the last two weeks. Bam! Like already in lessons, I've had that question come. I was like, "You you know that we're uh, 25 degrees cooler than we were like four weeks ago, right?" Well, that shouldn't affect it that much. I was like, yeah, actually it does. Today on five, uh, granted the pin or the, the tee box was all the way back. It wasn't like midway up. It was all the way back though. Uh, that's usually from, from the tips. I usually hit like a, a seven iron, maybe a six iron. Today I was like, we're going five iron, baby. And it was into the wind too. So I, I took a five iron and I am not comfortable hitting that shot just because I know on a, on a warm day, that thing's going in the trees on the back of that hole. And I hit this thing and rolled right, it rolled right up on the green. And I was like, okay, that does not feel right, but it happened anyway. Right. And so you have these two scenarios that on the surface seem very risky. And people will watch tour players hit shots. Again, they're tour players. They have crazy levels of ability everywhere. So they can hit shots that we can't hit. But what seems like a really risky shot in certain scenarios, uh, there's one floating around on YouTube about Phil hitting a driver off the deck out of the rough that everybody's amazed by. It's like he's actually discussing. Out okay, of a bush. So out, yeah. of a, out of a bush. So like people think it's crazy, but he's playing out multiple scenarios, and you can hear the logic in it. That's actually not as risky as people think it is there was a video going of phil like two days ago on social media where he was out of like he was out of the rough and he was talking to his caddy and he was like you know what i could do is like hit a two iron and sting it right into the bunker and worst case it skips across the water and gets over and i'm like who thinks of that (laughs) who thinks of like okay if i miss this shot it'll skip on the water and still roll up to the uh, roll up to the uh, uh the green i was like what how do you think of that be because they understand the game at another level. Like he understands what the spin profile on that ball is going to do. It's not going to go in the water. There's not a big lip on the other side of the water, and it's gonna it's gonna just skip right across. And he said, worst, worst case, case, he goes, worst case scenario, I just sting it right in, or uh, worst case scenario, it goes in the water. But best case scenario, I sting it right into the bunker, and it just sits. Like he's playing for a bunker shot. Yes, that's the, <laughs> everybody thinks it's about. This is one of the Hank's favorite things. He said, there's no rule that says you have to hit it on the green or hit it at the flag or hit it in the fairway. There's no rule that says you have to do that. But we assume that like that's the most effective way to play because we want to keep track of your fairways hit and greens hit and all that. You know how many rounds are, how many tournaments are won by tour players hitting 72 greens in regulation? Zero. Not a zilch. 
How many ever hit with 100% fairways? Zero, nada, zilch, ever. So, like, it's not, people say it's not a game of perfect. It, it is, it's a game, there's so many shots. It's not a uniform court. Like, uh, if we use tennis as the example, since Michael brought it up, like, even in tennis, your opponent's trying to maneuver the ball and you're trying to maneuver the ball based on how they maneuver the ball. And, like, there's movement all the time. Like, sometimes you hit shots that just, like, your body reacts to just because you can barely get to the ball. And it works, right? Like, shoot, people throw shots up in basketball or throw, you know, run plays in football. Or, you know, there's just things that happen. You know, it's funny. They work out because your brain figures out a way to right. do it. It's doing a billion, billion calculations a second. Where like, normally if you had time, and this is where golf's interesting because you have all, well, I'll say all the time in the world to hit the shot, but more time than a, a live action sport, correct. let's say. So you don't think of these uh, these these shots because you're thinking about better ones. Yeah. But in these live action sports, your your brain is like, well, this is the only way I can do it, and so we're going to do it this way. And yeah. sometimes it works out. Imagine how I mean, it's basically like if you had football. Um, imagine being able to call a timeout on every single play. So. <laughs> I love. Yeah. That's why Phil is one of the best. That he's left. He's left. <laughs> Love that from Miracle. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. Um, where was I? I have completely lost my train of thought. On I don't that. know. Miracle always steals the show. It's that's great. all right. That's all right. He's he's lefty. We'll let it slide. Um, but uh, where was I with that? What was I talking about? Somebody help me. Well, we were talking about how. Um, if you could call a timeout in oh, football. Oh, if you call a timeout. Imagine, like, every time the defense showed a different defense or the offense ran out, like, like, oh, timeout. We saw we saw a different setup. Let's let's change it up. Now, that happens sometimes at the end of games. Well, it's also why you why, save them for those crucial moments. It's also why the best quarterbacks – it's also why the best quarterbacks in the game make it to the Hall of Fame because they can Correct. they can change it up on the – they can call audibles and change it up, and those guys who have the ultimate control over their team can – win games like yeah. Tom Brady but you know like most games you can't just you don't have this ability to stop and analyze each right individual scenario and that's one of the things that's great about golf is you do have that option you know we have faced far more well don't say it's great it's great and it's horrible at the same time right because we can sometimes psych ourselves out of the shots that we feel like are the best but we're like no that's too risky like you're talking about with John right so you know you you don't <clears throat> You don't see things the way they really are or see other options. Uh, people see one option. Okay, I'm supposed to take my medicine and kick it out. Oh, just hit it to the middle of the green. Okay, well, there are time, like if you just hit to the middle of the green all the time, you will never score the best you can possibly shoot. You have to take risk. Like you, Tournaments are won on risky shots, and they're lost on risky shots. They're won on conservative shots. They're lost on conservative shots. Like There's not – there's a formula. <laughs> BPNOP and POA, but like there's not there's not a right or a wrong there's just there's this always moving needle that you're chasing all the time and for people to go, you know, I just wish I could put it all together one time. Like news flash, nobody ever does. You know what's funny too is I'll relate it to another sport just while we're while we're talking about it. Recently, uh Jock Peterson, who is an outfielder for the Braves, who are now in the World Series, he was talking about how 
he was talking about a, a reporter asked him was saying like is there anything in your title runs that you've seen that can like win world series like no but you have to be ready for the other team to make a big play or hit a clutch shot because like or a clutch home run uh because just that's the way it goes and basically he's telling you like we're gonna have to be ready and we can't prepare for that and uh i think a lot of the times we think like you can hit 72 fairways or 72 greens and it's like the, even the best, of the, even the best of the best, can't do that. So you have to be ready to hit some of these trouble shots because they're going to happen in a round. Your best round, even like when Austin shot the course record here, uh, a couple or what was that, two weeks ago, he had some shots that I witnessed that were just like he was. He was like, man, that was a terrible shot, and then he and got his was. way out of it. And it was, <laughs> right. yeah, but he got his way out of it. Right. It's like course records aren't had by hitting every single fairway and every single green. They're no. made by being able to do the best of the best with what you can. Hitting eighteen greens is Excuse incredibly me. rare, even at the highest level. And hitting you know all fourteen fairways or thirteen, depending on how many par threes you have, is also incredibly rare. Um, it's it's about controlling where that ball ends up. And I mean, guys have won tournaments with this idea of strokes gained blank um, with terrible strokes gained putting like, and terrible strokes gained driving, but really good in another area. So there's not, it's one on imperfection question for you then. Yeah. So they say that, and I say they, I don't know exactly who said this or where I heard it. <laughs> who are they? Who are they? They say that um, it only takes one good shot to make a par. Yeah. And so here's the question. A lot of people will say, like, will try and drive it 320 yards to get as close as they can to the green. But it's like, at what point do we diagnose the course in a fact where it's like, okay, I just need to get this one out there and then I'll make that good shot. Or I'll hit two bad shots, eventually get it on the green and make that bomb putt. It's like, where is there any advice that you have to people as far as like, where to take that risk and where not to. And I know it's variable, but is there any general advice for in that, on that front? Don't risk anything that's going to get... I can't say anything. Don't take a risk to gain a half or a quarter of a shot or a little better shot at the risk of losing a whole shot. I did that today, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. Way we, to go. Well, no. It, hey, you're hey, failing. You're learning. Hey, right? We're no, making, no, no. making mistakes. But as soon as I hit the shot, I sat in my cart. I hung my head for like two seconds, and I go, "The data wouldn't have told me to hit that shot. <laughs> the data wouldn't have told me." Yeah. <laughs> and, and like I noticed it as soon as I sat down in the cart, and so right. you, it's working. Right. It is working. And but like that that's an incredibly effective way to think of it. You know, sometimes people will go like, you know. I'm going to just, I'm going to hit my driver and then three wood as far down there as I can on a par five. Just get as close as I can. Well, what do you, and there may be water out of bounds or something in a spot. Like, what what are you trying to gain? I'm going to try and drive this green that I can't actually get to. And there's a water hazard nearby. So you're risking losing a shot for a gain of a little closer shot. And this is when, uh, well, Specifically, I keep on talking about the Valero. I've mentioned it like three times this past year, but uh, Greller and Spieth were talking. Like It was the second shot. I think it was on 17 or 18. It was near the end. And Spieth was like, I'm going for this one because he was trying to make a birdie because you know he was in the lead and he wanted to stay in the lead. And then uh, I think either – I can't remember who said it. It was either him or – obviously it was either him or Greller, but I can't remember which one said it. He was like, well, does hitting that shot bring bogey into play? And so what they're right, basically – Am I trying to gain a – 
Yeah, go ahead. And so basically, what they're trying to do is like that could be a two-stroke swing, uh, a two-stroke swing, mm-hmm. depending on you know if he pulls off the hero shot. Okay, fine, that gives you a birdie, but you're, you know you're still in the lead if you got a par. So does right. that shot bring a bogey into play? And I feel like that's I've asked that question a bunch, and this is where you have to get on the course, is because you have to put yourself in those situations mm-hmm. in order to diagnose a enough of them to where you can shoot lower scores eventually people want to stop hitting the bad shot instead of learning how to hit from the place where the bad shot is right like you can still make pars and birdies from those bad shots like it's you need to learn how to curve the ball you need to learn how to hit it higher you need to learn how to hit it shorter you need to learn how to we had when nick was on the podcast um, U.S. Junior Amateur Champion. If you're just tuning in, go back and listen to one of those episodes. Um, but he said, you know, one of his favorite things to do is go play with three clubs. And, you know, like, there are times when you have to hit a different shot. And, well, okay, well, I've got my 7-iron, which is, let's say, 180 yards, and I've got my pitching wedge, which is, say, 130 yards, and I've got a 160-yard shot or a hundred. 45 yard shot. Well, I can't hit a pitching wedge 145 yards. Yeah, you can. You just got to know how to hit a trap draw. That's a different shot. Um, a hard you shot. can you can stretch a club 5, 10, 15 more yards. Um uh, I did it today. Uh had on 14. It was 100 and 170 yards. I had I had 7 iron and I had a pitching wedge. I had a little wind off my right. Hit a trap pitching wedge, whole high, just to the just off the left edge of the green. So, um, which is also a shot that a lot of people shots. can't pull off because they're on the driving range hitting full. I just want to know how to smooth, hit. smooth pitching wedges. I just right? want to know how to hit it correct. Okay, well, the game isn't about hitting it correct. It's, it's about, about getting hitting. into the hole, <laughs> <laughs> right? And there's you're going to face scenarios, and you need to know how to hit all those shots. People want to play golf that's fairway green. Uh, my wedges aren't good enough. My this isn't good enough. Well, putt it from the fairway if your wedges aren't good enough. Like use a fairway wood, use a hybrid, use a use a driver from the rough, like or from under a bush, uh, or a two iron from the rough. Skip it off the water into the you know yeah. the ability to see and execute multiple shots. You need a core base fundamentals, and then you need to learn how to hit all the other shots and. I'm sorry, I'm apologizing on behalf of all golf professionals and myself. We don't teach you how to do that enough. We don't, and we should. And I'm making efforts right now and have been to do that more often. Um, If you want a playing lesson and want to learn how to hit all those shots, schedule it. Like, schedule a playing lesson. It's $225. It's $15 for each additional person. So split the cost. Bring three of your friends and do a playing lesson with me. And so that's what, two seventy five split three ways. So eighty five ninety bucks, eighty five ninety bucks. Yeah, you're about, you're about ninety bucks. It's a lot better than two twenty five for two and a half hours of my time. So like I can teach you all those shots and how to navigate those and probably work on your fundamentals a little bit. So um but again, there's so many layers to this game. You gotta get off the driving range. Now you now if I'm having you work on something on technique, I may temporarily keep you on the range so that you can learn how to make the effective movement then you got to go how to learn how to play with it and be aware and pay attention it just i'm just sick of people standing on the driving range i posted on instagram this week or i guess by the time you hear this last week or two weeks ago i walk out of the clubhouse and the timing of it was perfect yeah our new putting green isn't open but our current one is in decent shape right now you can putt on it 
and get <laughs> good feedback. Best shape as it has in a while. Right. Um, since has I've been, been here. We have number nine, the old number nine green. Now has three flags in it. You can be working on wedge play. There were zero people on the putting green. There were zero people in the little wedge area near the clubhouse. And there were zero people on number nine hitting wedges. And there were 37 people hitting balls on the driving range going, yep, and you're not getting better at all. Like, you're really not. I mean, marginally to your score, you're getting almost less than 10% better. 5%, if that. So, anywho, that's just... Get off the driving range, please. Go into the short game areas. Learn how to hit those shots. Go and learn how to do all those other things and learn how your shot, how your swing reacts in different scenarios and learn how to do different shots differently. Different shots differently? Yeah, I guess it makes sense. Love it, love it. I think that's a great place to end. Yeah, uh, just get off the driving range, please. (laughs) Get in the short game areas and go play. Well, there you have it. You heard it here first. Wow, mic drop too from Mr. Scott Hassey. I know. I know, man. <laughs> well, perfect uh, perfect chance to plug Scott's book. Make sure you go onto his Instagram. That's S Hassey Golf, two S's, two E's. Dude, I don't. I want to count how many times I've said that. Like, if we could do a compilation of like all the times I've said it, goodness gracious. But two S's, two E's, Scott Hassey, S Hassey Golf. Um, make sure you go and pre order his book. His book, it's a. Uh, Golf Decoded, and I'm just going to leave it at that because I don't know. the I forgot the other the one. Golf Decoded, Unraveling the Game's Greatest Secrets. There we go. It'll, it'll become part of my repertoire the same way that uh, your your Instagram handle has. So <laughs> make sure you go follow Scott on Instagram to go check that out. Um, a lot of awesome benefits from pre-ordering on the GoFundMe. should be out in April, correct? If you don't pre-order it, it won't be. But if you do pre-order it, you'll get it in April, which is sl- rapidly approaching. You'll get it at Christmas. You'll get it at Christmas. So there you go. Um, super excited for that to come out. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast uh, on the back porch of Franklin Bridge. Either be on the back porch of Franklin Bridge or be on the course, but get off the range. So we're going to wrap it up here on the back porch of Franklin Bridge. We'll see you on the next one. Peace. Thanks, y'all, for listening to this episode of the Champions Playbook. As always, you can find us anywhere that you guys are. So uh, make sure to check out Scott on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the above. His Instagram is at Golf. That's two S's and two E's. So make sure to go and check out everything that he's got going on over on his Instagram page, uh, as well as make sure you follow Franklin Bridge. Uh, Franklin Bridge puts out some great things as well, and we want to make sure that we support them because they support us. So as always, feel free to come by the back porch of the Persimmon Pub at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays to come and listen to us talk golf. So book a late afternoon round of golf, and then afterwards come on inside, get some food, some drinks. Uh, We got some specials going on. We have some $5 flatbread pizzas. We had some amazing chicken tacos, as well as drink specials going on all night long. So make sure to support the Persimmon Pub as well when you come out. We would love to see you guys. We do one episode and then a live Q&A and then another episode. So from 7 to 9 on Wednesdays, we hope to see you soon. And we'll see you on the next one. Peace.